Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the Brain Food Podcast. I am Casey Thomas and this week I want to talk to you about the relative efficacy of following either a very strict or a more flexible dietary pattern. So let's get into it, shall we? The first thing we need to do is briefly describe what we mean when we say strict or flexible dietary pattern. And so I just want to give you some examples of dietary behaviors that kind of fall under these two umbrella terms. So the first is strict. This is very bodybuilder-esque. This is measuring your food out to the nearest gram. This is bringing your own meal preps to restaurants with you. Or, you know, if you're going to relax and go to the restaurant, you just bring a food scale so that way you can measure that exactly six ounces of salmon came out as you ordered it. You have to account for that grain of rice that rolls off your plate. Or maybe it's a completely all-or-nothing approach, right? You're going to do this very strict diet for 30 days or whatever it is, something like that. So this is what I'm talking about when I say strict, okay? On the other hand, flexible dietary patterns are usually someone taking it a little bit more easy. The main goal is just doing a little bit better than what you were doing yesterday. So maybe you're just going to reduce the portion sizes of your meals that you're already eating. You're not doing some crazy dietary program and switching up every single food you eat. You just might say, hey, I'm going to eat three slices of pizza instead of four. Okay, something like that, right? And so that's what I'm talking about when I say strict versus flexible dieting. Very briefly, I want to just go over a study that I read a long time ago. It is an older study, admittedly, but it was quite seminal in the field, and it laid the groundwork for a lot of the more recent stuff, okay? So this was a paper done in 1999, pretty old, like I said, done by Smith. And what they wanted to do was compare rigid versus flexible dieting and the outcomes of either on overeating, body weight, and mood. And so what they did was they surveyed over 200 healthy young individuals, and they asked them questions relating to their dietary habits, they asked them questions relating to their mood, and then they also took their height and weight in order to assess BMI. So unsurprisingly, what they found was that some dietary behaviors were associated with overeating and bad mood, and on the flip side, some dietary strategies were associated with lower body weight and successful dietary restraint. And so the first group of beneficial strategies was setting a daily caloric intake. And I know that sounds like very strict, right? Because I talked about calorie counting before, but there's a second part to this sentence that I need to go over. <laughs> so they set a daily quota for their caloric intake. And two, what they did was if they broke it for whatever reason, so if they overate accidentally, they did not follow it up with a hardcore restriction in order to try to compensate for it. So let's say you overate one day and you ate no food the following day because you tried to make up for it. So this isn't what these people did. They set a daily caloric intake value, and then if they missed the mark for whatever reason, that's fine. Let's move on. Let's not try to needlessly restrict the day after. Let's just move past it like it didn't happen. And 
third thing that they did was they had an intention to limit food intake, all right? So they walked into their diets and they just said, I am intending to reduce the amount of food that I am eating. And that's it, right? So just trying to cut back on their portion sizes or cut back on the amount of feeding occasions that they had. So this group of behaviors was associated with avoiding overeating when they were socializing, so with friends or family, when they were lonely, and when they were anxious or depressed, all right? So all of these danger times, right? So typically people stress eat or typically people eat when they're lonely or bored or people tend to eat when they're socializing. This cluster of behaviors was associated with an avoidance of overeating. So that's pretty powerful, I think. And not only was it associated with this avoidance of overeating in these danger times, but it was also associated with a lower BMI in these participants. Now, what about on the danger side of things? Were there any behaviors that were associated with the negative outcomes? And yes, as I said, they found some of these things. And so people who believed themselves to be on strict diets, people who actively counted out every single gram of their macros and their calories, and people who were super strict in avoiding entire food groups or classes of foods, they tended to overeat and splurge when alone. And not only did they tend to splurge and overeat when alone, but they also had higher BMIs. And then the last cluster of behaviors, which I think is pretty intuitive, honestly, there's probably nothing really interesting here for you guys, but people with lower dietary restraints were associated with eating too quickly, with eating when not hungry, and with overeating during both social events and negative mood states. So to kind of summarize the interesting things that I took away from this, people who were more flexible tended to not overeat and tended to be a lower body weight. They also tended to have lower levels of depression and anxiety, okay? So all that stuff is pretty awesome. The next thing that was pretty interesting from this study was that people who were really, really strict, all right, people who were super strict and they were macro counting, calorie counting, you know, all this kind of stuff, very, very all or nothing mentality. They tended to overeat when alone and they tended to have more body weight. And the last thing from the study that they found was simply that people who had less dietary restraint tended to binge eat a little bit more. Now, my personal thoughts on all this is just the food industry wants you to feel guilty. You know, they want you to believe if you just had a little bit more willpower, then everything would be good. But honestly, you can't go heads up against your own willpower. That is a true losing game. And I've worked with a lot of bodybuilders and models and actors and things like that. And for them, it's literally their job, okay, to make their body look a certain way. They have to be super on point. They have to very methodically measure out everything. They have to turn it into a science because this is literally how they get their paycheck, right? Everybody else, like you and me, we have other jobs, we have other things occupying our lives. And nutrition and training are not the only focus that we have, right? And so I think you need to work with where you're at. You can't just strive for perfection right out the gate. More often than not, striving for this perfection paralyzes people, so you don't even get started. 
then when you do get started, then you start seeing all these problems creep up that we just talked about. And so in my mind, what you need to do is find the smallest possible action step that you can do in a given week and then go do it. All right. And then keep doing it until you get confident with it. And then, then only then do you add one more small thing. And honestly, the key is that every step of the way, it should feel too easy. All right. It should never feel hard or feel like you're suffering. And I've talked in the past about the etymology of the word diet. All right. The original definition of this word in ancient Greek is a way of life. It is not I will suffer for 30 days and then return back to my normal eating patterns. No, it, it's it's literally what is a, a sustainable way of life for you, all right? And I think that more people need to take that approach when they're trying to implement some nutrition intervention for themselves, all right? It takes at least 10 weeks to build a new habit and probably more than more than that. And this is why in my, my own private practice, I structure my coaching programs to be at least 16 weeks in duration because I want to guarantee that you get lasting results that will stick with you for your lifetime. Uh, you want this nutrition piece of your life to become a habit. You don't want it to be a chore that you have to consciously think about. You want it to be effortless, right? One thing that I just want to give a brief a side note to is just this idea of calorie counting. I truly think that our education system should probably have us do this as, you know, like a course in elementary school or middle school or something, just so that way you have a good estimate of the different foods that you're eating. But I don't think it's something that you have to do or should do for the rest of your life. It's not really sustainable. But I think if, if you haven't done it before, I might recommend you do it for just, you know, a month or two just to learn and get your feet wet with it. And you'd be surprised. You make a game out of it and you're like, okay, this is how much cereal I think I'm putting into my bowl. And then you dump it out and you put it into measuring cups and you see how much you actually did put in there. And you'd be surprised, okay? You'll be pretty off on a lot of your measures. Try it out. I think it's a fun thing to do. I think it's a fun little learning practice. But anyway, to summarize this topic, I, I think we're all dealt different starting hands with our lives, with our family, with our genetics, you know, your personal history, where you were born, the food access you have, all this kind of stuff, right? Some people naturally started ahead of you. That's just how it is. Some people started ahead of you, all right? And some people started behind you, all right? It's fine. Everybody starts in a different location. But as the research shows, and there's a lot more current research to support it, starting wherever you're at personally, all right? That's where you need to start. And then from there, you do small incremental improvements. Try to be more flexible and you're gonna see far better results, all right? Do not do these crazy crash diets. They don't work. They only work until they don't. <laughs> and then they cause all these extra problems and you're gonna be setting yourself up for failure in the long term. Okay, so that'll do it today. Thank you so much for listening. If you found any value at all in this, if you can, I would really appreciate it if you shared it with a friend. I am trying to grow this podcast and a word from you definitely goes a very long way. If you have any other ideas for episodes that you would like to hear or me to talk on, feel free to just shoot me a message. My email is caseythomasrd at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. So I'm out of here. We'll talk next week. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.